And the idea is that deity is unknowable. We inherently are limited by our bodies and our brains and our functionality. And there's just no way, There's, it's impossible to fully comprehend um, the presence and essence of God, of deity. And so the way that Wiccans like to look at it is that deity is like to a giant diamond and each facet of that diamond is different and has a different color and shows a different light, but it's still all the same diamond. Hi, thanks for joining us for another episode of What the Faith. Today we had a really amazing conversation uh, with Cassie, who's a pagan priestess and minister. And while we had it on Halloween as kind of a, to have a Halloween special kind of thing, it was really a fascinating discussion where, uh, at least for me growing up, and I know a lot of people, uh, when we hear the word pagan, it's like this assumed evil. And I think having this conversation with Cassie um, as a pagan priestess was a great way to dispel a lot of those kind of false assumptions. Now, uh, she was also been the executive director of two long-running Northwest Wiccan festivals. Uh, one, I'm probably going to mess up, Akade's Sickle Festival, and then the other one is the Spring Mysteries Festival. So she's been doing this for a long time. Her day job is a graphic designer and mixed media artist, but then she spends so much of her time being a spiritual counselor, a skilled ritualist, and brings a lot of ta uh, talents to the table as a compassionate teacher, administrator, and director of religious ceremonies and events. So we really hope that you're going to enjoy this conversation with her. Uh, it was very enlightening and really just a great time. So hope you enjoy. This is definitely a topic we don't know like anything about. And we're so glad that we're able to do it on Halloween. So I just wanted to start out kind of the uh, same way we, we like to start with everybody, which is kind of where, where did you start? What was spirituality like as a kid and how did you... Um, how was, what was your journey to being a Wiccan today? Hi, uh, oh, I, I'm very excited about this question. My name is Cassie Gendlick. Um, I hail from, uh, the Washington Pacific Northwest area. Um, I was born and raised in Washington. Uh, I, uh, grew up in a really big, Republican New Jersey family. They all, my whole family, my mom is one of six kids. And so when my, my grandfather got a job with Boeing, the short, like the short conversational version of the story is my grandfather got a job with Boeing and then he flew over from New Jersey to Washington and took all the kids with him. Packed, like they had a whole plane and it, they could only fill it up so far. And he, my grandfather turned to the rest of the kids and said, hey, you guys want to fill the plane? Let's go. And so they all went and we all landed in Olympia, Washington, where we have a little New Jersey commune. <laughs> and so I grew up Catholic and uh, I went to a Catholic school. Um, I, I have so many mixed emotions about my Catholic school because it was... I, when I arrived, it was, uh, I arrived in first grade. There's like one class per grade, you know, you know, most schools that we're familiar with have multiple classes per grade. And we just had the one cause it's a small school. Right. And so, um, I arrived in first grade 
and all the kids had sort of already made friends with each other. And so I ended up being sort of the weirdo, like the weird pariah kid in the class. And uh, I spent a whole bunch of time alone. Um, I had I had some friends, and I have I had one really really two really close friends uh, who uh, like kind of you know they sort of saw me and went oh look at the sad girl who's sitting by herself let's go hang out with her and then we became very good friends but I really felt alone while I was in school when I was outside of school with them it was like family but when I was in school it felt very lonely and so I spent a lot of time talking to God. Um, I, I remember going and uh, going to mass on Fridays at church, you know, at, in school. And, uh, and I'd go and I'd look at the, the rafters, like the ceiling rafters, and it's all wood grain. And I would look at all the wood grain and see where I could find the angels in the ceiling. You know, like that, that was my, I, I, I didn't have friends at school but I had God. And that really was the formative experience of my life was the fact that I, no matter where I could go, I had God and I had Jesus and, and they were always with me. And, and it, and, and I knew it too. It wasn't like a, I had a question about it. I, I could feel God. I could feel God right there. I could, hear, I could see the angels flying around in the sky. I could, you know, hear him talking to me. I could like hear the whispers of voices in the winds. And I know that sounds a little nutty, but you know, as a kid, you don't really know how to explain this numinous feeling that you're experiencing. And, uh, and so I, I became, a, I was a very devout Catholic and, uh, I, at, at like around 11 years old, I realized that I really wanted to be a nun and I, I wanted to live that monastic lifestyle and really uh, immerse myself into God and immerse myself into faith and, and really just like let it envelop me and surround me and be the world that I lived in. Like, you know, if, uh, if reality is agreement based, that's the reality. Like I was going to go agree to be in that reality with, with all those other nuns. And so um, I, you know, I was sort of gearing up for it at 11. And then I realized that I started having puberty and I started having urges and questions and uh, things that could not easily be answered uh, through faith. Like, uh, uh, where where can I go to be a priest? Like really what I wanted to do was be a priest. Uh, I like the idea of being a nun because it was the only thing available. And when I realized that um, at an early age, I realized that I was very unlikely to be able to keep the vows that would be required of me. Uh, I I really had a 11 year old crisis of faith. Um, and it, and I really struggled with it. I tried to find a lot of answers of where I, as a, as a faith-filled person could fit in the Catholic church in a way that I felt I was being called to, because I really did at 11 years old, feel a calling and I feel it to this day. 
Um, and so I started, uh, I went to like youth groups and I went to um, after school things and Bible camps and all kinds of stuff. And I loved it. I, I love every second. I cherish those memories. Uh, uh, and uh, like a lot of ex-Catholics will come up to me and start telling me about their Catholicism or their ex-Catholicism. And, and I, I feel like I have this like pain of um, recognition of what they're going through. Like I can see the struggle that they're going through. And I also have this like deep fondness for the faith and the beauty and the simplicity of it. Um, and so a few years later, I'm still struggling. I'm around 13 years old. Now I'm in high school. I've got friends, uh, a lot of friends. I ended up, um, I, I probably shouldn't say this on the podcast, but I ended up flunking out of the Catholic school because I was being bullied so bad. And so uh, around sixth grade, I just was like, I'm not doing homework anymore. And I just was like, I don't care. I don't want to be there. I don't want to participate. I just want to go be whatever I'm going to be. I just want to be grown up and get out of here. That's all I want. I'm just not going to participate anymore. And uh, I ended up, I didn't lose my faith then, but I did like lose, <laughs> I lost the church. And so I got into uh, a high school and I had a bunch of friends and my friends tend to be the weirdos. <laughs> Cause we are, we are the weirdos mister. And so, uh, my friends, one of my good friends, Margot came up to me one day and she told me that she had, uh, she was a witch and that her, she knew she was a witch because her fingernails, you know, when your fingernails grow out, they start to grow down and around like that. Like go, and, and get real long and weird looking. Uh, well, I shouldn't say weird looking. They are cool to some that's true yay um, and uh and i appreciate that and i could appreciate the aesthetic value of it and uh and she told me that she knew she was a witch because her nails would grow upward when they grew out real long and she's like every third daughter of a third daughter of a third daughter in my family line has nails that grow upward so we're witches and i was like bs I don't know if I can curse on your show, so <laughs> go, go, go for it. No, no problem. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. I, I appreciate the freedom and being able to express myself, how it come naturally to me. So yeah, I told her that was bullshit. <laughs> and I was like, you can't just, how, how does that even work? And so my young, the internet was new. Uh, and I went on to like Yahoo messenger or ask Jeeves or something like that. And, uh, early Google, and I uh, looked up what is a witch, and I found a bunch of sites about Wicca, and I learned that it is a religion that uh, is based off of the natural cycles of the world, that it follows the natural patterns that our planet goes through. And it uh, believes that God is with us uh, present in, you know, as we sit around and speak with each other, God's just wandering around doing what God's up to. So, but he's active in me or he and she is active in with us. And so um, 
I, when I, there's so much, so much more. There's so much more. That's just like the teeniest, tiniest taste of what Wicca actually is. Um, and if you ask a Wiccan or a pagan or a witch or anybody who's of a non-Abrahamic faith, a Western style occultism, you will find like two answers for every, like two answers per person for every question that you ask. So if you ask like 12, pe 12 pagans a question, you will get 24 different answers. It's, it's crazy. Everybody's got an opinion and everybody is, uh, has a right to their experience, their lived experience. And that's a lot of what Wicca really focuses on is how do you live your faith uh, and have it be a part of your everyday? How, how do you live it so that it's, this magic is with you all the time? Um, that's, that, again, so yeah, there we go. Grain of salt. Every answer has got like two answers. Every question has got two answers at least. And, uh, and I will rattle on about all of them until somebody stops me. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I'm interested. So you mentioned about the Wiccan, I, uh, belief that, you know, God is everywhere. Right. So I kind of would like to unpack that a little bit more. So what is kind of the and he mentioned that there's multiple answers, but you know, what, what would you say is a Wiccan belief of a creator of the universe? Like, is there God? What does God look like? Who is God? Right. So we view God. And, uh, now that I've said my, uh, uh, warning of there's two answers for every question, I'm going to talk from here on now in my personal experience and that way I can give people who've had a different experience who are still Wiccan uh, uh, their opportunity to re be recognized as somebody who's valid in their faith and also not this not exactly the same practice as mine um, it's they are, have every right to their practice so generally what Wiccans believe about deity um, can be described in sort of the uh, a diamond model. That's what we like to call it sometimes. And the idea is that deity is unknowable. We inherently are limited by our bodies and our brains and our functionality. And there's just no way. There's, it's impossible to fully comprehend um, the presence and essence of God of deity. And so the way that Wiccans like to look at it is that deity is like to a giant diamond. And each facet of that diamond is different and has a different color and shows a different light, but it's still all the same diamond. Right? You're just looking at different aspects. And so that the example that I like to give is uh uh let's say I was working on a weaving project and I was making this, I had this great big loom. I was, I was going to do this big weaving on it. It was going to be super important to me. I really, I really want some help. Some like, I really would love it if, uh, if somebody like spiritually deity, uh, God could come and like be with me while I'm working on this project. Right. Well, I can ask, I can ask Jesus, I could ask Jesus and I could, you know, be like, Jesus, will you please come down and hang out with me while I'm working on this weaving? I, I love your energy. I like the, 
the space that you give me and you remind me of good, pleasant things. And I would love it if you were here. And Jesus, in, in, when I hear him back in my head, and I know that I can't really speak for God, but when I do hear him in my head, um, he will say things like, well, you know, I was a carpenter. So like, if you wanted to build a loom, I'm, I'm great. And I, otherwise I'd love to sit here and support you and like hug you and tell you how much you're loved while you do this loom. And I could go, well, you know, that's wonderful. But really I'm looking for more of like a, how to plan this accurately. Like, how are we going to execute this loom plan, this big project that I'm working on? Well, then I can turn to Athena who's the goddess of weaving and the goddess of planning and, 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 and you can see why she's also a goddess of war when you think about how much trouble it is to set up a loom. I don't know if you guys have ever wove, wove before. I, I have a fiber art degree from my college. So I like this example because I've lived it. Um, setting up a loom is really difficult and takes a lot of planning. And when I first set up my first loom, I was like, that's why she's the goddess of war. <laughs> this is so much planning. And uh, so, you know, I can call Athena and have Athena sit and hang out with me while I'm doing my weaving. And she'll be like, yes, you should use this color. Yes. Um, no, this is incorrect. Uh, you, you will be very unhappy if you continue down this path. And, and if I was to ever be like, oh my gosh, I'm in a huge problem. Like I'm having this crisis in my life. I could turn to Athena and Athena would be like, I'm covered in armor. I'm sorry. I've got, I've got bronze everywhere. You don't want to scuff it. <laughs> and I could turn to Jesus and he'd be like, girl, come here, get a hug. You know? So the idea is, is that these two energies, though they're different and though they come from uh, a different culture um in the long run are all connected to deity and when i am asking athena i'm asking the same deity as i'm when i'm asking jesus they're just giving me a different face so that i can relate better so if you're uh, there's all kinds of all fathers out there in the world. You've got Odin, you've got Zeus. Um, even in some sense, you have things, the goddesses like Hecate, who are sort of like an all mother or Isis. Um, and these deities sort of represent the idea of like big papa god, you know, the, the, the all father, the, the person who is our father in this in this circumstance, in this faith, in this thing that we're working with. And each of those all fathers sort of have a different flavor to them. So if you're doing something that requires a specific flavor, then you get to ask those deities if they'd be willing to participate with you um, and communicate with them individually because, uh, yeah, there we go. I hope that answered that. Yeah. No, that's awesome. I mean, that's, that's inspiring. I'd say, I think with the, uh, cause I feel like there's that doesn't take value away from other people's spirituality, which is, I think right. where it's like, Hey, like, yeah, like you could totally experience that. I can totally see why you have that. And here's like, and I'd like to use that too. <laughs> you know, like I'd like to use that. spirituality. Right. That's really cool. Um, what are, yeah. it makes really fun interfaith gatherings. 
Like yeah. they, they love it when I come dressed up in pagan and bust out with the church songs. They, it's fun. It's a lot of fun being able to relate so intimately with, with people because I, because I don't have to deny them their faith, their, their, their lived experience. I get to sort of, um, be a part of their reality and be in it with them. And I, I get this opportunity to help people of many faiths, not just my own, because even though I, even though I know that it's not my faith, uh, I still see that their experience is completely valid, even if it's far, far different from my own. It's, it, I always tell people biodiversity is not for the, not just for the rainforest. Like we as humans need diverse thoughts and ideas on the planet in order for us to survive. When we have a monoculture, we have potato famines. So when we have a monoculture of thought, we have a, a we have the potential for us to get really, really lost in, um, in not being able to find solutions because the way that we see the world cannot provide those solutions. And when you have people who think a bunch of different ways about how the world works and about how uh, faith and belief work, then you have opportunities for um, finding answers that you would not normally have seen because your eyes aren't trained for it, right? I, a good example of that is I went to Parliament of the World Religions in Toronto recently, the last Parliament of the World Religions, um, and I would the theme of the event uh, was working with uh, how to help people um, relate to the earth better with their faith. Um, a lot of the speakers that I talked to and listened to and um, were talking about how there's this like great exodus of people, of, of the unchurched masses, people are leaving the churches in droves. And I stood up and I said to them, in the, you know, I'm this like little, you know, I'm 30 something. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm a, I feel very confident in my faith, but I definitely recognize that I'm in a a huge, like surrounded by religious leaders that are way above my pay grade and understanding. And so I was like, screw it, let's do it. And I stood up and I raised my hand and I said, you guys, the, your people aren't leaving faith. They're going to us. <laughs> they're, they're coming to us because there are aspects about your faith that they can't reconcile and they need help being able to hold on losing your faith is such such a hard thing and when people who are survivors of spiritual abuse are you know knocking down our doors we catch them and we hold on to them and try to help them even though we're uh, generally survivors of spiritual abuse ourselves as pagans and most people who are pagan have come from another religion and have survived some ordeal and went, oh, I can't stay here because of this. And, and they come from a very broken place a lot of the times. And so you've got like the broken trying to heal the broken together, you know? Uh, and we found that with the people's backgrounds, you know, they come from everywhere. 
that a lot of times we can find a lot of interesting face solutions where people are normally have blind spots that um, so yeah I hope that answered that yeah no I think that's that's amazing especially coming from like a place of spiritual abuse myself where I think when you face that there's it's almost like there's kind of three phases where like you have like religion and then below that faith and then below that spirituality and what happens i feel like oftentimes is through spiritual abuse you will lose like both religion and your like which is i guess the belonging to something and then the faith which is believing in something and then you're just kind of in this place of like well i need to right. find spirituality somewhere but you just don't always know where to access right. it because it's a big world out there right <laughs> when you fall out of uh it's a big world out there well, and it feels so unsafe. Like when you uh, when you lose your faith, and you you're losing, like you said, with you're losing your religion and you're losing your faith. You're losing your community and you're losing confidence in your beliefs. Like your core beliefs get shook, and that it gives you this feeling of I don't know what's true or not. I don't know what's real. I don't know. I don't have the ability to be secure in myself because mm, these like foundational things our beliefs have been so severely shook um it's it is it is quite the problem um i i started uh right before right after i started my sabbatical i started my sabbatical because i had a i was working with a an international pagan organization that's based here in washington state and I, um, and I can talk more about them in a bit, but I want to, uh, when I left that church, I left because I was experiencing extreme burnout, uh, like ministerial burnout and ministerial fatigue. And I'd also severely injured myself and I had a, a very bad back injury. Um, and so I had to leave so that I could focus on me. And, uh, that, that wasn't necessarily a crisis of faith. What happened after that was I ended up getting, uh, excommunicated from my pagan church, which I didn't think that that was a thing. I, 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 in all of my study, I, I've been a pagan since I'm, since I was 13, I'm 35 now. I got excommunicated from my church and I was like, I didn't know that was a thing. So that led to a huge crisis of faith in me and, and having my body not working and my, like my core beliefs, never mind my core muscles, my core beliefs weren't working. And I, that was very traumatic. I ended up, um, uh, my, my fiance, Nate reached out to a, a counselor in Portland called, uh, named Connie Baker. And I highly, highly, I don't know if you guys know of her. I highly yeah. recommend Connie yeah. Baker. She's incredible. Yeah, I recommended Connie to Ashton, so. Which I still <laughs> haven't acted on. Oh, she is an angel. She's an angel. She's, hmm. She is absolutely one of the most um, generous and thoughtful and uh just willing to be right there with you people, you know, like she's like willing to dig right in with you right next to you in order to like help you navigate your way out of this. You know, she's incredible. I love her. 
I, <laughs> I barely know her and I love her. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's interesting that you mentioned you were excommunicated because I think that also goes to show, you know, you, you brought up the mass exodus of people leaving faith and or at least mm -hmm. religious institutions. And I think a lot of that is that um, I think that faith community is so important, but it's a fine balance, right? Of like being in kind of this like structured community, but also like spirituality in itself isn't meant to mm -hmm. be in a confined box. And I think that that's why it's been such a weird time. I just think with where mm. religious institutions are going and you see all these people leaving. Yeah. Um, yeah. I find mm -hmm. that interesting, especially because um, I've met uh, a decent amount of, you know, Christian pagans and like what that is kind of all about. Mm -hmm. and I think that for a lot mm -hmm. of Christians who leave the church, mm -hmm. kind of what you were mentioning, you can find a lot of positivity in kind of the pagan beliefs. Mm -hmm. Um, I was not absolutely a Christian pagan for a long time. I, yeah. Like there were many years where I was like, I can't just leave Catholicism. Like I believe it. And then when I started looking into other pagan avenues, I found that there are other faiths that also bit from Catholicism and faith. And I say bit uh, very like lovingly. Uh, out of necessity and uh, a necessity to survive, uh, some other faiths have borrowed Catholic ideas yeah. and incorporated it into their own. And so that, like finding that and understanding it, it helped me navigate how to get through into something that I could confidently believe in because I believe that I was worth, I believe God was calling me that God or goddess was calling me to be a priest and that I was worth putting the effort in. And so I found a faith that would allow me to do the, the calling that I feel. Yeah. And that's how I really feel about it is I, I have a, a extreme fondness for Catholic ideas. Mm -hmm. I do not consider myself Catholic or even a, a Christian Wiccan anymore, mm -hmm. even though I did for a little while. I consider myself fully pagan. I feel like I've sort of gotten out of the the Christian um, like culture. It's so it's it the Christian culture is so fascinating to me <laughs> now because it it and because it feels so foreign to me. Interesting. And I never thought that that Christianity could feel foreign to me, mm. even though it's extremely familiar to me. It like sometimes Christians will come and they'll want to talk about things and they'll talk about concepts that we just I'm like wow that doesn't really that doesn't compute <laughs> yeah I've, I'm interested in that because you you brought up your kind of your weaving example right um mm -hmm. and you brought up that like you know when you're in a situation wherever you could call on Jesus or Athena who I want to get to because I have no idea who Athena is um oh fun yeah yeah but, yeah but in the context Jehovah's of witness ex Jehovah's witness for the win <laughs> <laughs> but um like so as far as like calling you know Jesus into that situation is that more of the lens of like for you personally is that believing that Jesus was like one of the deities um is he like the son of God like how because you mentioned that you're no longer like wouldn't wreck like could classify yourself as like a Christian pagan right? or anything right. like that. Um, I don't know. I'm interested to unpack that a little bit more. I uh, Have you ever watched American Gods? 
Hmm. No, I don't. I don't think so. It sounds familiar, though. It's a, a, a American Gods is originally a book by Neil Gaiman, and he turned it into a TV show, and it's really, really fun. Um, it talks about the idea of um, the things that Americans worship, like becoming embodied into people, like like things like media, things like. Um, Oh gosh, now I can't remember any of the other characters, but um, those ideas are are brought up and worked into like a personhood. And in that show, and the reason why I bring this up is in the show they have uh, this really fun scene of a bunch. They they go to uh, Ostara's house. Ostara is the goddess of where we get Easter from. She's a goddess of the spring and her, uh, her, her animals are things like hares and baby animals and eggs and things that are just being born, little lambs and things, things that are just being born up in the spring, uh, life coming back to us, that she's a goddess of that. And it's where we get the word Easter from. And so there's this really fun scene of, of the crew, uh, the main people in the plot, going over to Ostara's house to sort of chat with her. And she's hosting all of these different kinds of Jesuses. Like there's like a white Jesus and he's hanging out in the pool and there's like black Jesus over there. And there's a Korean Jesus hanging out over there. Like it's all these different kinds of Jesuses. So when you think about it, Jesus is so many He's so many different things to so many different people that trying to put him into some kind of box is sort of fruitless. Like trying to go, well, he's definitely a part of, you, you can go, he's definitely part of Jehovah's, uh, Jehovah's pantheon. Like, you know, you could say Jehovah's the, you know, all father and that Jesus is his son and that they, and that there's the Holy Spirit in there and they have a pantheon. Um, but really, the, the answer is it depends on how you relate to Jesus. Uh, um, and people relate to him in all kinds of different ways. So for me personally, I see him like my Jesus is the guy who hangs out with all of the saints. And they all get together and scheme to make sure that we're all taken care of. So like I'll talk to St. Jude a lot. Um, St. Jude is my family's patron saint. Um, <clears throat> my my Aunt Judy's named after St. Jude. Um, and so I, my version of Jesus is like in a family relating to all of these saints and sinners and God. And I sort of like see him hanging out in heaven doing his thing. And I'm all moving my phone around gesturing. Um, I see him hanging around in heaven doing his thing. And and doing it well. And so uh, I guess I don't really have a way that I like to put Jesus. I, again, finding putting him in a box is sort of pointless uh, because there's just so many different kinds of Jesuses out there. Um, so it's a definitely a challenging question. Uh, but overall, I think that he is so wide and just so loving and forgiving 
that he can really encompass a lot of ideas about love and about loss. And, um, and really it's when I'm in places of like grieving or real loss or, you know, especially when my family members are passing or having real trouble, um, I will absolutely turn to Jesus and I'll pray to him and Mary and, and St. Jude and all of everybody who will listen on behalf of my family member. And that's usually the, now, now at times, it's generally the only, the only way I, I really work with him these days because I'm so immersed with the rest of pagan culture that he just doesn't come up. Most people in paganism don't really like talking about him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to put that out there. Yeah. That's a fair point. <laughs> Um, yeah. I'm curious kind of to shift gears a little bit because I know, um, getting out of, uh, the place I was with faith and then transitioning, one of the main things that's helped me, I've researched some Buddhism and while I'm no Buddhist, the, uh, the practice involved in it has been like a real breath of fresh air. Um, and so mm. I'm curious for like Wiccans and pagans, what the practices involved kind of are. Okay. So we have, um, we, we use, a basically uh, you can liken Wiccan faith to a giant clock. Um, we have, uh, if you look at a clock, uh, well, I guess that's sort of a silly analogy right now that I'm thinking about it, but we have eight points of the year that, uh, that correlate with the position that the sun is at in the sky at any given point. So like things like the equinoxes, the solstices, um, they are positions where the sun is at in the sky that are meaningful, that represent transitionatory periods that the sun is going through. And we tend to think of the sun as the symbol for male energy. And so it can represent like the cycles of man. It, and, and I mean like men, like not like a, all of us, I mean specifically male bodied individuals um assigned male at birth i should say and uh we believe that that the sun cycle sort of relates to the cycles that men go through and it also talks about like where our harvest seasons are at where our grieving seasons are at where our growing seasons are at where our party partying seasons are at you know and so we get to go oh well it's today's Samhain. Uh, today is Samhain, and that means that the veils between the worlds are very thin. It's the last of three harvest festivals, um, and typically it's the last harvest festival that you get before you get into like the part of winter where you can't really grow things anymore, and you have to go kind of go out and hunt. So um, it represents sort of like the the very the the thinness of the veil between living and dead because we have to go out and 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 kill things in order to survive so that we can eat and it's a it like the the holiday the sabbath uh talks about uh grieving and it talks about um letting go and it talks about um what do you do now that you're dead like now, now that we're in the dead part of the year, it talks about gratitude for the people who've gone before us and the animals and the trees and the different 
aspects of the planet that have all gone before us. And it, and it really talks about what do we do now that we're on the other side? Like, and that's sort of a weird thing to talk about. So we pagans believe that we are reborn and that we experience life on earth in order to learn different lessons and, and sort of like take them back. And as our souls evolve, we kind of have to keep coming back and relearning new lessons and going through it. And so when Samhain hits, it's a recognition that we, that we are going to die. All of us eventually someday will not be here anymore. And that there is life after that. And it talks about what the, what the journey is after you get into life, uh, after you get out of life. Because then you, you go from Samhain to Yule, which is a celebration of, uh, you guys would see Christmas. Um, Yule is a celebration of like the, the, the new light that is there. The, uh, it's, it, uh, oh my gosh, I love talking about Christmas traditions. So you know the uh, tree, the tree that you bring into your home and you get it all decorated? That tree represents the goddess. And you're inviting this tree, you're inviting this lonely goddess who's out in the cold, who's in the dark and in the cold, and you're inviting her in and you're decorating her and you're giving her a warm place to be and you're uh, adoring her with gifts. And that goddess figure comes in and, and gives you a bunch of presents in return, right? You, if Santa comes down the tree, St. Nicholas, um, there are many, many different origin stories for Santa. Some pagans believe that he's a pagan deity of old. And uh, a lot of pagans believe that he's a construct of Coca-Cola. Either way, works for me. Um, and so the idea that like Santa comes and um, you can ask him for wishes. And as the old man of the year, he can give you tools that you can use for your new year to help you get through. And then um, at that same time, you've got the, uh, you've got the Yule log, right? Are you guys are familiar with the Yule log? Uh, so the Yule log is a representation of, you know, when you look on TV and you see that's like log burning in a fire, that is the Yule log. It is a representation of us burning away the things that are not working for us. Uh, if you're familiar with the term dull care, um, things that are hold, like holding us hostage in our hearts and our minds, like uh, grief, um, like the mistakes that you've made over the year, uh, the things that you wish you could take back, um, things about your, your nature that are, are keeping you sort of hold, like anxiety, you know, like it, things that are sort of holding you down, you have this opportunity to pass it over to the Yule log, like, okay, Yule log, I'm going to give you my grief. And I, I give it to you, I, I release it from me, and I give it to you, and I appreciate that you're going to go take it into the other side, of, uh, you're going to take it into the fire and burn it and transmute it and make it into something different for me. Um, so, yeah. Um, there's, there's like 
six other holidays. I don't want to go into all of them because I don't actually, I can't talk about all of them. But I have to, I have to look a lot of them up even still, just because there's so much. And, um, and in addition to the, in addition to the eight Sabbaths, you've also got 13 moons. And the moons represent female energy, like uh, fem people who were assigned female at birth. Uh, yeah, energy. And, um, and so those mysteries tend to be more inner focused because it's in the middle of the night. It's a, you, the moon represents not only female energy, but it represents sort of like who, who your inner world sometimes who you are on the inside like how you occur to you as opposed to how you occur to other people out in the world that you know, sun signs moon signs blah 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 astrology and uh and so when every full moon comes around a bunch of witches will go out and go dance around under the full moon and sometimes you look up your astrology chart and see what the stars say about the sky and sometimes you go oh it's a honeymoon oh oh it's a blue moon oh oh it's a wolf moon and you know what that means and you can go out and celebrate the kind of moon that it is right then right there um you can go out and do um, magic that will help you uh, magic meaning like really intense complicated prayers um, you can do magic that will sort of help you along with your the next part of your month you're like oh this last month was crazy okay uh, I'm I'm gonna make money Woo! we're gonna make so much money I'm gonna be great I'm not gonna have to worry about this okay money 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 and you get under the full moon you're like money 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 and then next thing you know you get slightly t-boned by a car and your insurance pays out buco you know what <laughs> so that yeah that that's, has happened that yeah. has happened to me <laughs> yeah that's a good segue i mean i definitely like that first i i like that you brought up kind of the um you know the pagan symbolism found in christmas because i know a lot of christians mm -hmm. who don't even realize that the reason why christmas and easter fall on the days that they do is because of the pagan calendar mm -hmm. Um, Jesus, why I didn't get mm -hmm. to celebrate them. Yeah, that's up. why Ashton didn't get to celebrate because Jesus probably. Oh, what? Please go. Well, on the like Easter specifically, it, the it changes dates on you yeah. because it's based on the cycle of the moon. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, that's I when I first found that out, I was like, like whoa, <laughs> I can't believe it, and it really did feel like wow because because Catholicism was built on indigenous beliefs, like mm -hmm. Catholicism came in in the dark ages after the, the plague came through and wiped everybody out. And we're not unfamiliar with that right now. And so when the black plague came through, they didn't have science, they didn't have hand washing, they didn't have nothing as far as knowledge about how to combat this disease. And so they, they went, oh, God's punishing us. We have to become better with God. And so you get this religious, like, uh, what's the word? I don't want to say fear, like religious, like, ah, oh, religion, you know? And, and everybody uh, became more religious in response to the idea that God was punishing everyone, right? And so when you've got people who are even before that you've got things like the crusades and um 
you know, uh, Ireland uh, and the, the St. Patrick chasing off all the snakes, uh, Christian religions, Catholic religions came in and went, at first they went, well, we're going to have to like tear down all of the statues and kill all of their gods in order to subdue and colonize this land. Uh, and after many, you know, decades of that not working very well for them, they went, well, maybe if we tell them that their gods are just like our gods, then they won't fight so hard. And that's what they did. Uh, so like, if you look at pay, if you look at uh, a lot of Irish saints are a lot of Irish saints are like St. Bridget, St. Breed is, are actually pagan goddesses and gods that have been turned into saints in order to colonize the land. Mm. Um, and so when I realized that my faith was already relating to what I felt was an indigenous heritage for me that I didn't have access to, um, my own indigenous heritage, that I'm an American, I'm, you know, as much as I was born in Washington and raised in Washington, my family's from Germany, and they came over in the 1800s, and, and we're here, and I, how wonderful would it be if I could look back and find records of ancient Germanic culture that I can, you know, relate to, I've got a genetic link to it, I'm adopted too, so don't get me into like family and genetics and adoption. Ugh. I I will I will we will never end this interview. <laughs> just, oh. I won't shut up. <laughs> well, I, I think a lot of that's really cool, especially um, I mean, what's fascinating to me is talking about the um following the cycles of the sun and moon. I mean, I feel like those roots have to go so deep into the history of humans as a species. With um, even like with Stonehenge being one of the, mm -hmm. or I think it's the oldest identified structure in, uh, that we have, that yeah, we know about know. in human history. And that's, you know, tied to the sun and like, you know, sun worship and stuff like that. And I feel like that's so much, so much of that's mm -hmm. connected to kind of what you're talking about too, which is amazing. Yeah. Right. Cool. I was going to ask because you briefly touched on it. And this is the question I've always had is kind of, uh, about what magic is within the pagan context and also what like classifies a witch like like who's a witch and who's not and what is magic i guess <laughs> yeah sure okay so okay so the questions i'm hearing is what is magic and what makes you a witch yes okay magic is really complicated prayer with props so when you're uh, are you familiar with praying a rosary or, or mala beads. Yeah. yeah. That is a kind of, I, it, it, people who practice it would be like offended if I said that's a kind of magic, but it is. It's, uh, it's using this tool to help you focus your prayer mm -hmm. and to using different corresponding elements uh, that relate to your prayer and incorporating them into your prayer um when when i do magic i was trained uh in a uh british gardenarian style and that to wiccans that will be kind of understandable not every wiccan will understand that but many will 
Um, so I was trained in a Gardnerian style, which doesn't mean it's actually Gardnerian. There's many traditions within Wicca, many like schools of thought and schools of practice. And not all of them agree, but all of them are valid. It's just whatever works for you works for you. If you, uh, essentially, if you feel this, like, <clears throat> sorry, if you feel this, um, if you feel a calling that there's a god and a goddess out there, uh, and you look up Wicca and you're like, wow, that stuff sounds like me, then, then you're pretty much a Wiccan. <laughs> like, there's not really any, can you guys hear the dinging that's coming through my phone? I hope not. My, my fiance just woke up from a nap and he's messaging me and he doesn't realize I'm talking. Poor guy. Anyways, it's dinging all up in my ears and I'm like, ah, I hope that's not coming through. Um, so yeah, if you, if you look up the faith and you find something in it that speaks to you and you're like, you know what? I might actually be a Wiccan. Then you're a Wiccan. There, it, like then you're a witch um even if you're like well I'm mostly like Christian like I know so many Christians who like have all of their superstitions you know they have all of their uh things that they like they do and they and, and they do with their praying like um again rosary beads uh prayer cards lighting candles um, all of those things help you focus your praying. And so we as Wiccans go, well, maybe we can study this and find out what are the different ways that people can pray and what are the different ways that people can like raise energy with each other and um, sort of think together and work on praying together in groups. Uh, uh, what we, what, we call those covens when people are all praying together in groups. They, they all want to be in a family of people who that they trust and can explore intimate ideas with. And, and those people would be called a coven uh, if they're doing magic with each other. Um, I hope that that helps. Does that explain it? Yeah, it does. I think it, it helps. So the, the concept would be that, like a prayer circle right like about because i i went to one yeah. like pagan festival once and everybody was in a circle kind of like chanting mm -hmm. um so would that mm -hmm. be considered a, a prayer yes okay uh, absolutely there are i i wish that i i wish that i had looked this up before i i got here there are eight we call them eight paths of power and it's funny how often the numbers eight and 12 and three and four, seven will come up in Wicca. They, there seems to be a, like a natural pattern uh, within the universe that uses these numbers. Uh, I'm sure scientists would sit there and be like, yes, you are sort of correct, you crazy pagan. But, um, <laughs> but you know, scientists will even talk about how the, there's a certain set of numbers that sort of keep emerging when you look at the ancient world, the, the, um, or when you look at the natural world, like, uh, uh, what's the, the thing with the spiral? Uh, I want, I don't think it's the Pythagorean theme. Anyways, there's different. So like the Nordic knot? No, I'm, no I'm I was thinking, of... I was thinking, you know, it's the, 
what's the thing that goes one, one, two, three, five, eight, eleven, or eight, thirteen? I can't remember. I don't know. Uh, I'm thinking of pi. That's where my mind went. Not pi. <laughs> yeah, it's not pi. But it's uh, it's this theory, it's this mathematical theory that um, can that creates perfect spirals in nature. Mm. And you see these perfect spirals. You put like a one inch square next to a one inch square, next to a two inch square, next to a three inch square, next to a five inch square, next to an eight inch square, and you draw a line through all the middle of all those boxes. You get this perfect spiral everywhere. You see it in everything. And uh, I don't know why I brought that up. I just like talking about it, I guess. <laughs> I'm sort of blanking right now. The golden spiral? Is it called the golden spiral? Yes. Yeah, the golden we, spiral. We just... I should have known that because that's used in like design all the time. Mm-hmm. But, uh, like it's like a naturally be- beautiful thing. It's like such an interesting thing where it's like that naturally appeals to the eye, which I think is right. fascinating. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's 1.618 and represented by the Greek letter pi. Oh, yeah, pi. Yeah, I love pi. Pi's great. <laughs> Fun number. It makes great songs. Um, so I was saying, the reason why I brought it up was because uh, we believe that there are eight paths to power. So there's things like chanting and drumming and dancing and holding your breath for a really long time and like kneeling down on your knees and your knees get really like your knees lose all their blood. <laughs> like if you're kneeling in prayer for a long time and you get up and you get a head rush uh, on, on a very fundamental basic level that is used in just about every religion and it is the path to power. And so when you, you look at the common elements in prayer from around the world, you can start to see these, Okay, so they're using chanting and they're using kneeling and they're using meditation and they're using singing and and you can sort of like go through this whole list of um, ways that people pray. And so our our magical forefathers uh, sort of put this into the idea of eight paths to power. And if you can incorporate as many of those ideas, those paths into your working as as it, that as will fit comfortably. So like not all of the paths are going to work together very well because there's just a lot going on. So like if you're doing dancing and you're doing like kneeling and, and you're just like, you know, you, you kneel a bunch, your legs go numb and then you get up and you fall over, you know, like it, sometimes the paths of power don't really work very well together uh, depending on how you're working with them. But if you can incorporate as many of them in at, as, at the same time into your prayer, you can come out of it with a very effective, powerful prayer. Uh, and the, I, the, the ultimate goal in Wicca of praying, I feel, is of doing magic, is to create actual change. And sometimes really most of the times the way that we create actual changes by changing ourselves by changing our perspective and when you do prayer and you do all you know you do magic you you light your candles you kneel you sing you chant if you do that enough you can slowly change your perspective 
to fit how you want to see how you to to fit your magic so if um if i am trying to i'm a tarot reader by trade right so i'd read tarot over the phone uh for a company online it's wonderful i love it and uh a lot of people will call me and be like where's my boyfriend like when when's my next boyfriend going to come and i will tell people uh that what you want to do here, I'll give you the spell. <laughs> I, tell, I tell people this all the time. I'll, I'll give you the spell. What you do is you write down everything that you want in a boyfriend, like write down from his personality to the size of his, you know, so everything, everything that you've ever wanted. And you can reference other boyfriends that you've had in the past. You can reference you know, people on TV, you can write down, I want blonde hair and blue eyes, you know, you can write down anything that you want, as long as you want it. And you pray over this document in a way that's comfortable for you. Some people prefer to pray um, in a very sexually explicit manner, which is considered sacred in Wicca. Um, and so some people will do that with their, with their list of how they want their boyfriend to come. And and they, uh, to appear in their life. And so um, the idea is that you list everything that you want and that there's, there's so many people on the planet that there's gotta be somebody out there to fit the bill, right? Like I've got the, I've got my shopping list made. This is, I know this is what I want. I've written three pages of details about this dude. He's gotta be out there somewhere. You do your, you, you write it down. That's part of the spell. You do the like, okay, goddess, please, you know, send a beacon out to this guy and tell him to get to me quick because I really want him right now. And then you wait and see what happens. Well, on on one level, it's like, yeah, you're 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 writing down everything that you want. But really, what you're doing underneath it all is you're awakening your own eyes to seeing the things that you want in the people around you. So when you, like, instead of focusing on, oh, I really don't want to have a relationship like that one again, that would be really nice not to have that kind of relationship. Instead, you think, well, what's the relationship that I want? And you focus on it and you focus on it and you focus on it until it's in your brain and you remember it, every detail of it. You focus and focus and focus. And the next thing you know, it's the only thing you can see. You, all of a sudden, you're just seeing blonde-haired, blue-eyed dudes everywhere. They're all mysteriously six foot, you know, tall, and and they're they fit the bill. And some of them have like it, it, that's a long story short. That's how I found my fiance. I'm just gonna put that out there like that. Yeah, that's and I and I told him that too. I found my list that I drew up, at, like I, when we were moving. I found my list and I went, Oh my God, baby, I have the order sheet for you. <laughs> like, sweetheart, look, and, and look how right I turned out to be. I can't, and it, like his presence in my life was magical. Like it still is magical. He just like showed up and was perfect. And, and like he, I, he can talk for himself about his relationship history, but he, like us meeting together was like, it, the only way I can explain it is goddess. The, the, literally the only way for us to be able to come together in the way that we did. 
the only way I can explain it is goddess and the power of being able to open my eyes to see what I want and not just see what I didn't want everywhere. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That's cool. I didn't, you know, I also found a six foot blonde haired guy, but I didn't, I didn't write it down. (laughs) (laughs) Well, sometimes you don't need to. Sometimes you just know. Well, I think that's... Sometimes you really got to think about it because you're like, I don't even know what I want. And that's when you want to write. If you know, then you know. Good job. I think that's interesting too. Just, I mean, the, the idea of just kind of opening yourself up to this like the power, like some external power I know. Like there's a certain times where like, and this, and it goes into more of the like unexplainable things for me, where it's, there's certain times where you just like open yourself up to these things so much and you're like so vulnerable that like, and it usually doesn't happen in the way that you expect it to happen, but like, it's crazy. And that's like where my brain goes when like the Bible says, for instance, faith moves mountains, where it's like the craziest things will happen when it's just like, you get so vulnerable and you kind of go crazy in how much you believe in something. Yeah. And then like. I don't know. It's interesting. Especially when we're talking about faith moving. Oh, sorry. Oh, no, no, go ahead. Talking about faith moving mountains. uh, I want to, when I was at Parliament of the World Religions, they were talking about uh, our relationship as people of faith to the earth and how to like reconnect ourselves. And there was a wonderful organization called, I think it's called Green Faith. And what they do is they go around to different faith communities and help people see how taking care of the earth is a, is actually a responsibility that we as people of faith have. And they will go through and point out all the Bible passages that talk about how we're supposed to be taking care of the earth and, and trying to connect people's belief with activism because you can go and ask a bunch of people um you know will will you go help this old lady move into her nursing home and people will be like "Mm, you know i got i got kids to pick up i got i i have to do things sorry but if you go you know the bible says that that it is our responsibility to take care of our elders and this is an elder in our community who needs some help. What do you say to that person of faith? And they go, I'm a person of faith. Of course, I believe that we need to take care of our elders. Let's go move this lady into her place. Woohoo! Let's be a party, you know? So that faith can move mountains. It re- you are absolutely right. Faith can move mountains. And, and uh, when you have faith that is... Um, when you have faith that is reinforced with personal experience, uh, you can get through a lot of the more painful aspects about being a, a person of faith, um, as we all experience. Not, you know, being a person of faith, whatever faith you are, is a challenge, unless you're very fortunate um, to be surrounded in a community that believes the exact same thing as you. Uh, and and we don't and so being able to um be secure in our faith because we can connect it with uh lived experience 
um, that roots it in us, like we lived it, so you can't take it away from us, even when you excommunicate us. Um, that's a powerful, powerful thing. Uh, I don't, it just, the, the loss of faith is so painful. And I, I, I wish that I could talk about it more eloquently. And, and I really, really feel for people who are very, who are really struggling. Uh, and I, I always want to give them support that you can, you can find it. You can thoughtfully and with a lot of curiosity and love, find your faith again. However, you need to find it. If you just like, you know, I don't really want to be a part of religion anymore. I, I want this much faith. Then that's great. That's wonderful. Welcome. You know, be welcome. If you're like, I need to change how I think about the entire world and I need help, then that's wonderful. And let's do it together. And we will come up with creative solutions to get you to where you want to be in your life. Because again, biodiversity is important and we all need to have ideas and we all need to be able to contribute so that we can solve complex problems that we're facing, especially uh, between other humans and between humans and our planet. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, thank you for sharing all of that. It's, um, I think that's just so much, so many words that people I think need to hear, you know, and like, take in for for sure. Cause I know I I've been through similar places and learned, you know, similar things that like, especially, and especially for me too, if I think about where I was two years ago to two and a half years ago, like if I heard somebody say that to me, I'd be like, man, wow. Yeah. Yeah, (laughs) I I could really use that. I love the whole like terminology of biodiversity. That's just something I haven't really like heard mm-hmm. in the multi-faith interfaith realm. And I think that's like a really, really mm-hmm. good point. Um, to kind of start wrapping it up. I mean, we've covered a lot of cool stuff. I, I think I've, I've learned a lot. Um, you know, for people yeah. listening, I'm assuming at least for right now, most of our audience are people who are not pagan. <laughs> um, you know, what would you want listeners to kind of take away from this episode, take away from your journey and your beliefs? What I, what I wish that people take away from, from this podcast episode, uh, I want them to come away feeling like their pagan brothers and sisters are still on their side. Um, that even though there's a lot of hurt from a lot of pagans because of the way that they've been treated, I, I've never met, I, I have, I can't say never because absolutes are automatically lying. I can't remember a time where I've come across a pagan who hasn't been anything more than generous and loving and there to support you. Like if if you ever need help, know that your witch friends are absolutely going to be there for you. They're not trying to dissuade you from being you. They're just trying to help you out and be there with you. And I hope that that, I hope that that gets communicated that, that we're all brothers and sisters and that we all really do need each other. Um, when I was back, when I was still trying to be Christian and Catholic, uh, I went to a Calvary church event and uh, 
and I was just starting to be like, I was just starting to be pagan just. And (laughs) one of the, one of the people at the church sort of caught on to me uh, because I didn't know how to answer a bunch of questions about what I believed at the time. I was very new and it was very difficult to talk about, like use language to explain how I believed in the world. And, uh, and she was like, you're a pagan, you're a pagan. And I was like, well, yes, but if you look at the Bible, you guys are asked to convert people, right? God wants you to go out and spread the good news. Jesus wants you to go out and tell everybody the good news. So you have to have somebody to spread it to. I'm right here. Hooray. Look, I'm right here. You need me. Turns if I'm if I'm already Christian, you can't do your mission. <laughs> so let's instead of like instead of trying to force me to be involved in your belief, let's have a beautiful conversation about how each of us are unique in our beliefs and and compare and contrast and see where we are actually more similar than we're different. And I think that those kinds of conversations are extremely powerful, extremely powerful. Yeah, I I totally agree. I think, and I think the main thing I love about that and the thing that I've been trying to grow in um, with spirituality is when we talk to people different beliefs, whether we think they're wrong or not, instead of being like, well, you're wrong in this and this and this, it's more of like, hey, this is what I do that I think could really help you. And I would love to learn ways of your beliefs that could really help me, which sounds a lot like kind of where you're coming from, which is amazing. Yeah. You know, what's really fun is uh, I'm, I'm actually really grateful that you're here too. And that you're in, I, when I found out that you're an extra Hovis witness, uh, I was like, oh boy, (laughs) I've had, I've had so many Jehovah's Witnesses come over to my house and Mormon missionary people too come over to my house and I'll invite them in and we'll sit down and have like just the most awesome conversation and I make sure that they have access to water and food and the bathroom and and people who are out on their uh, ministerial path, uh, out on their missionary path, feel free to come over to my house because I like talking with you. It's fun. <laughs> I, I have a good time and you will at least have access to a bathroom. <laughs> nice. I know we definitely did those back in the day. Uh, <laughs> I, I guess to finally, because it's been an awesome conversation and I feel sorry that we have to end it because I feel like there's so much more we can talk about. Um, I know but, there is. I, I would love to come back and talk with you guys yeah. about it some more. I'm having a wonderful yeah. time. Maybe we'll do like a part two. Or yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll definitely have to, we'll definitely have to talk more uh, on the show. Um, I guess just to. I'll, I'll wear my, uh, I'll wear my ritual robes so that you guys can see what they look like. And I'll get my, uh, I'll get all my tools out. And if you really want, we can like do a prayer together and it will be a lot of fun. That could be cool. That could be super fun. Um, Awesome. Yeah. I think just uh, kind of final thing is where can people learn more about you and what you do and also just kind of um, what's, what's going on in your world and, and stuff. Well, I, uh, again, right now I'm on sabbatical. I'm still healing and recovering from my back injury. Uh, I got in a car accident in 2018. And so it's been a really, really bumpy road. Um, and I needed the time off. When I I have plans in the works for starting a new uh, local coven in the area, 
and I have plans in the works for starting a new nonprofit uh, organization that I'm kind of working into it. It's like a cross between a church and a club. Like the, I want people to be able to feel free to go and worship, but I, I want to avoid the idea of a priesthood having authority over your experience. Mm -hmm. Um, at the at most, I believe that a priesthood should facilitate your experience and be able to be there to help you through what you're working through, um, as opposed to dictate to you what you should be thinking and believing. And so uh, I find that even in pagan churches, that can be quite a challenge because our main models are other churches, uh, other so. Um, so a lot of times you'll have a church structure that is hierarchical and you'll have uh, different religious officers who do both like mundane clerical work and religious work. And that can, that can really become a challenge sometimes. Uh, so my hope for this new nonprofit that I'm, that I'm trying to build uh, that I'm still working out plans for that's based off of how this one guy thinks a starship should run on Star Trek. <laughs> um, I'm hoping that we can accomplish um, necessary ideas like integrity and accountability and um, safety and healing through religious abuse. Because again, like I said, most people who are pagan have the vast, unless you were born into the religion, which is, that, that is, there are many pagans who have pagan parents now. We have generational pagans now. Our faith is really not even a hundred years old yet. Um, and we have generational pagans now. And uh, so sometimes you get people who are just straight up born into it, but the vast majority of pagans are, are come to paganism because of religious abuse from where they were being raised uh, and so um, I want to have a place where anybody uh, especially pagans but anybody can come and um, process um, issues of spiritual abuse and and feel like there is a solid structure that is based in integrity and accountability that at any point you can go up to any of your leaders and say, no, <laughs> no, that's, that is harmful and not correct. And we need to work on this together. And that those leaders will respond and be able to create a, an effective solution. That's as, as opposed to going up to your pagan leaders and going, Ooh, I don't agree. And then going, well, you know, that's what the goddess told me which can, I mean, pagans are as varied as people. And so you can get all types and the vast majority are wonderful. And there are some places that uh, work for some people and don't work for others. And that's valid. And that's, if it works for them, that's wonderful. I, I want to build a place that will work for me. 
everyone, thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of What the Faith. We hope you enjoyed our discussion with Cassie. I know for both Ash and I, we learned a ton and it was a really awesome discussion to kind of break down some barriers and better understand uh, paganism, Wiccan, and the pagan community and all the things that uh, go along with that. So we hope you, we hope this was informative for you. And as always, if you would like to keep up with what we're doing, uh, be sure to check us out at www.whatthefaith.space. And at, at our website, be sure to sign up for our email list so you can stay up to date on all of the live events, um, online events that we'll be doing in 2021, which we are very excited about and partnering with some awesome people for those. So we hope you enjoyed this episode and see you next week.